This episode of Historium is brought to you by Blueberry. Not the fruit, the podcast hosting service. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, now is the time, and Blueberry is what you should be using to host that podcast. Blueberry is the gold standard for podcast hosting and provides accurate stats, your own WordPress website, and an easy-to-use format for you to get your podcast out into the world. And right now, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. All you have to do is go to orbitaljigsaw.com history. That's orbitaljigsaw.com history. And start your journey into podcasting right. Hi, this is Tawny from the Dirty Bits Podcast, and you're listening to Historium on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. I'm often not a fan of what's called great man history, where we focus on towering figures who seem to single-handedly change the course of human events. But if there were ever a man to convince me of the merit of great man history, it's definitely Julius Caesar. His story is full of downright magnificent moments. Before Julius was assassinated, before et tu brute, before he crossed the Rubicon and the die was cast, before his conquest of Gaul, a young Julius Caesar had a very interesting encounter with pirates. I'm Jake Barton, welcome to Historium. Episode 26, A Caesar's Ransom. Julius looked out over the warm Mediterranean waters. He scanned the horizon for that massive statue that he had seen once before, the Colossus of Rhodes. He knew that they were still a few days off, but he was eager to study oratory in Rhodes with the best of the best. At this point in Caesar's life, he had been the head of his family for 10 years, despite only being 26. By now, he had gotten his inheritance, lost his inheritance, served in the military, and made himself plenty of powerful political enemies. For the past few years, he had served as a legal advocate in Rome, becoming well-known for his impassioned speeches and ruthless prosecution of corruption. Julius was traveling light, with only a small contingent of Roman sailors. He retreated to the lower deck of the ship to practice a speech he had been working on. He told the sailors that he was not to be disturbed. But sure enough, as Julius was practicing the impassioned climax of his speech, he thought he heard a knock at the door. He knew none of his men would be so foolish. As he was attempting the crescendo of the speech for the second time, he was interrupted again by a knock at the door, followed by commotion outside. Fuming, he opened the door, ready to strangle the fool that would disturb him. But as he opened the door, he immediately knew something was wrong. His crew was armed, looking out at three ships coming from the north. Caesar began barking orders to the sailors, but quickly realized that there was no use. Within a few minutes, the fleet of Cilician pirates had surrounded Caesar's vessel. He went through dozens of hypotheticals in his head about how this would end. None of them ended well. He figured the best case scenario would involve complete cooperation with the invading force. He ordered his men to lay down their arms. The pirates could barely believe it. They had swiftly taken a high-priced captive without any casualties. The admiral of the pirate fleet, if you could even call him that, ushered Julius Caesar to the deck of his own ship and had all of the Roman vessels consolidated into their fleet. They turned east and sailed as fast as the winds would take them. This was far from the first success Cilician pirates had in the Mediterranean. Since the demise of Carthage over 70 years ago, the Mediterranean Sea had no real naval power. 
The current superpower, Rome, used only enough ships as were necessary as opposed to maintaining a standing navy. Because of this, pirates of all stripes could terrorize the high seas as they saw fit. The Cilician pirates of Asia Minor had incredible success, and it was these pirates that had just nabbed one of the most up-and-coming politicians in all of Rome. Julius did his best to keep track of where they were headed, but it became increasingly difficult, especially when he was held below deck. The pirates, while far from the metropolitan caricature of mindless barbarians, still disgusted Caesar. Their lack of discipline and structure was infuriating to him. However, they seemed to continually be in good spirits throughout the day. Their last haul of stolen wine might have had something to do with it. Julius was separated from his crew, with most stowed away on other ships. He assumed that the pirates were going to send a ransom note, he would wait a few weeks, and then he could resume his voyage. So, Caesar waited. On the second day of his captivity, Caesar overheard one of the pirate leaders talking about the ransom request. He approached and heard the price was 20 talents of silver, which adjusted for inflation is around 600,000 US dollars. Upon hearing this, Julius laughed loudly, and a few of the pirates came over to ask what he thought was so funny. He told them surely they did not know who he was. He said, make it 50. That would be $1.5 million in today's money, all for just a young Roman lawyer. They released most of the Roman sailors at a small port in Asia Minor, ordering them to tell Roman officials that the price for Julius Caesar alive was 50 talents of silver. Meanwhile, Julius Caesar made the best of his situation, and when I say the best, I mean the best. Caesar began treating his captors as his subordinates, leading them into various exercises and games. He spent much of his time writing poetry and speeches, many of which he read aloud to a captive pirate audience. Whenever the pirates failed to appreciate his work, he called them illiterate savages and threatened to have them all hanged. When he slept, he would yell at the pirates if he thought them too loud. Julius Caesar became well regarded by the Cilician pirates who eventually allowed him the freedom to do more or less what he pleased on their islands and ships. Despite the pirates' fondness for him, Julius did not appreciate being held captive. He continually told them that once he was released, he would hunt them down and crucify each and every one of them. The pirates found this hilarious. Meanwhile, a group of wealthy Romans decided to gather up enough money to pay the ransom. The ransom that Julius convinced the pirates to make as large as it was. These well-to-do Romans considered this ransom payment to be a gamble on the young lawyer. A gamble that would eventually pay off in spades. A ship delivered the 50 talents of silver ransom, and after 38 days in captivity, Caesar was set free. He was greeted in port by Roman officials and some political allies. Many offered him places to stay and recover. Caesar refused. He instead raised a fleet. Within a few days, Julius had requisitioned a small fleet of ships from the port and had took off in the direction of the pirates. Sure enough, he found them on a small island chain which they frequently used as a base of operations, where they were currently enjoying their newfound wealth. Julius Caesar ordered a full-on assault, and within the day, he had taken back his hefty ransom and taken every pirate prisoner. His captors had become his captives. Julius Caesar was a man of his word. Caesar took the prisoners to the port city of Pergamon in Asia Minor. He imprisoned them there and then traveled to visit Marcus Junius, the Roman proconsul of all of Asia, to petition to have the pirates executed. 
However, Junius wanted to sell them off as slaves and keep the profits for himself. Caesar, wanting to make an example of the men who held him captive, disagreed. Taking matters into his own hands, he returned to the Pergamon prison and promptly had every single pirate crucified. Just like he had always said he would when he was their prisoner. Julius Caesar was a man of his word. As an apparent act of leniency, though, he had their throats slit in order to not prolong any suffering. And then he went on to Rhodes to continue his oratory training, the next step of his life's journey that would eventually land him as the most powerful man on the planet, conquering and controlling a large portion of three continents. I wonder if he ever thought about those pirates, as he was conquering Gaul and practicing politics and managing a colossal empire. Perhaps he used his relationships with them as a reminder that to him, unbridled ambition had no room for mercy. Historium is written and produced by me, Jake Barton, and is a proud member of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You can follow Historium on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're a fan of the show and would like to support my work here, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon has an app or a website. If you just go there, look up Historium, you can find different tiers of support. You can just pledge a dollar per show. Every little bit counts. Another way to support the show is the Orbital Jigsaw merch store. You can order Historium stickers or shirts or mugs, pretty much anything there. That's another way to help out the show. Well, you'll hear me again in two weeks. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>